good shot. Oh, brilliant! Absolutely brilliant by Patrick Bamford. Kane! Hello and welcome to the St Martin's Football Show. On today's show, we'll be looking back at the latest action from the Premier League, the last action before uh, the international break for the South American and Asian teams. as well, no European action, so uh, the players get to go off to Dubai or wherever for warm weather um, training. So to look back at the final two, uh, the final games before the uh, break, I've got Max Noon, Tottenham fan, obviously played Chelsea this week as well, and we won't talk about the results yet. And then uh, Arsenal returning back to their normality by dropping points against Burnley, and to talk us through that is um, Lloyd Bounds as well. But we'll start off on Friday night, which saw a massive six-pointer towards the bottom of the league uh, between Watford and Norwich. It was Norwich to come out on top 3-0, Josh Sargent with uh, two brilliant goals as well. Obviously signed from Werder Bremen in the summer. Um, a lot of people saying, oh, he'd be a good goal scorer for Norwich. It hasn't really produced until uh, this game as well. And it was an own goal from Kuka, which summed up Watford's day as well, which also saw Emmanuel Dennis get two yellow cards to be sent off and to damper a lot of people's um, fantasy teams. Before we talk about Watford and getting rid of their manager, Got to maybe give an apology to, to Norwich, to be fair, because I said a few weeks ago, you know, that Norwich are the worst team I've ever seen. Um, and I think they'll reach the lowest amount of points. And clearly, obviously, they've overtaken Derby now and they've had a great uh, chance of staying up. And I think it was Simon Jordan said they're, they're absolutely crap, an embarrassment to the Premier League. They deserve to be relegated. And then they come out and produce a a brilliant performance and Max it was a, a really good performance and a, a great step for them to stay up yeah, if only somebody said when you said that that they weren't going <laughs> to actually break the record um, but uh, no I mean I think it was a good performance and I think obviously capitalised on a horrendously poor Watford I think that they, you know, they, they were really poor um, but you know I think it's a good sign moving forward especially obviously players like Josh Sargent Shining and, and these kind of players uh, Rashisha being, you know, a quality player as well. They do have quality in the squad. I mean, it's probably, you know, I think you'd probably say that it's bottom three in terms of, you know, squads. But, you know, there's still there's still stuff to take from it, and it isn't it totally woeful. It isn't necessarily an embarrassment either. I, I don't think. And I think that centre, obviously Dean Smith doing quite a good, quite a good work with the with the squad, and you know, obviously hoping these young players uh, uh, can kind of emerge and, and perform even better towards the end of the season. And obviously. I think you would say that you know, there's hope going in, in back into the championship. Obviously, if they do go down, but I think um, you know that Norwich expect that obviously uh, going down and coming back up, maybe being a bit of a bad thing. But uh, I mean, you know, it's always better than you know going down and kind of being stuck there. But I think you know they, they can expect if they do go down a, a promising season in the championship, where you know I think lots of fans might enjoy winning more games if if they do go down. But again, you know anything can happen, and maybe they they could even stay up. Who knows? And obviously that's two wins on the bounce now for Norwich, um, which obviously seen two managerial sackings um, from both of them games. 
as well. Obviously, it is unheard of of a, a newly promoted team going on to win two back-to-back games or even a relegation threatened team. But today, Dean Smith being nominated for manager months. Do you think he should be given a max compared to the likes of, of Klopp, um, Pep and even Jose uh, Largo, Wolves? Um, I mean, I haven't got all of the fixtures in mind exactly, but I think in terms of what he's done, you know, I think it, I wouldn't be angry. I think it is something different. Um, but you know, I think I think I'd see it and I'd be, I'd be okay with it, um, especially you know, when you're used to seeing people like Pat winning manager of the month and and I think doing something like this and you know I think they have played less games in the in the Premier League. Um, uh, obviously, maybe you'd expect them. They only played three games uh, this month, but uh, you know I, I think it would be would be kind of pleasant to to see a, a bot three side or, or you know an eradication threatened side winner winner because i think you know obviously i think he's won two two of the games uh, you know maybe against poor sides but that doesn't matter so yeah i think he's done a good job and yeah i'd be happy to see him win it so as i said the game against everton the victory against everton last week saw the end of rafa benitez and this week he saw the end of uh, claudio ranieri so it was a dilly uh, dilly ding dilly uh, gone for uh, claudio ranieri um he'd only won 10 of his 13 matches in charge since he took over from uh, Isco uh, what, in October now. Um, as well, they did look at the likes of Steve Bruce as a possible man manager, but they have got in ex-Crystal Palace manager, uh, Liverpool and England manager, Roy Hodgson as well. He comes in. Um, well, they haven't disclosed his contract, actually, but a lot of people say probably till um, the end of the, the season as well. He's got Ray Lewington with him, an experienced duo that he's worked with before. But Lloyd, I'm be honest you, Roy Hodgson, surely that must be to the end of the season because it can't be long term because you can't really see a direction, could you, with Roy Hodgson at the wheel? Well, I, I think to be fair, I think the, the board and the management are probably looking at the one thing and that's, are we going to stay up by the end of next season? Like, that's that's what their focus is. They go in, come, come the end of the year, obviously end of footballing year, are they going to be above that? above their relegation zone like that's what that's what all their focus is on they're gonna have they, they don't have a plan for their future because there's so much it's heavily based on that if they stay up then uh well then like I'm, I'm sure they'll be ecstatic and they'll they'll have a plan in place but like they really need to focus on that staying up i think i think it's a good a good appointment in terms of that like he did like he did well at Paris. i think uh like, like he, he kept them up. He did what he did what he's meant to do. I know, I know. Some Paris fans said that they think he could have got a bit more out of the squad. Maybe play a bit more expansive football. Saying it was a bit, a bit too defensive to stick in. Not sticking ten men behind the ball the whole game. But I, I, I think it'd be, I think it'd be a good fit. And I think, I, I, I'm not going to say I'll keep him up because it's such a, it's such a tough job, which was shown last year with a big Sam going to his relegation. But I, I think he could do well. He's Watford's sixth manager since they kept the Premier League clean sheet as well, which obviously says a lot about um, the defending and obviously the, the board sacking managers as well. But if you're a Watford fan, you've definitely got new hope in Roy Hodgson as well. And if you're a Norwich, you've definitely got hope that you can uh, prove me wrong and stay up. Um, as well, then on Saturday, one team that's still looking for their manager as well, despite a few links of uh, Fabio Canaro from, um, or he's actually been linked to the Poland job as well, um, has been potentially linked as well. Frank Lampard's been interviewed twice, but he isn't 
looking like he's the favourite. We'll talk about um, the possible new manager in a minute. But before that, they did lose uh, 1-0 at home to Aston Villa. It was Lucas Dean from the corner uh, that whipped the ball in and Emmy Bendia getting the goal in added time in the first half as well that uh, saw Duncan Ferguson's first interim uh, manager managerial game this season uh, in a defeat um, as well. We talk about Everton's direction, Lloydon, or Watford's direction. We, obviously, Everton are probably the seventh, possibly eighth biggest club in the Premier League um, in terms of size as well. Maybe, you know, you've got like some Newcastle and Villa, Villa challenging them. But what direction do you see Everton in? Because obviously loads of names being um, like linked and, and some Everton fans obviously don't like and, and we obviously talk about that in a minute. But what direction do you see Everton going in now? Uh, well, yeah, like you said, they are, I think they're probably the biggest club outside the, the traditional big six. Like you look at, well, I think the set, like, They've been the like second longest serving team in the in the in the top tier. I think second to Arsenal. Like they've been there the second longest of every team. Like they have consistently high finishes. But well, looking at their form now, I think the focus needs to be on staying up and not letting all of that slip away. Like obviously they aren't they aren't really towards that relegation zone yet. But if they don't get these results going their way, and this says a lot when like teams like Norwich can go and get points against them, points against them now. Like if they go and let Newcastle, Watford go and get more points with them, then like they're going to be big points on the board for well, for the opposing relegation teams and big losses for Everton. Like they're the games they need to go and win. I think they need to they need the right balance between finding a manager who's going to is going to not only like definitely keep them up like that's why they can't really go for like a for a Hodgson like Palace have they need to find a manager who can keep them up but then also take them take them to like another level next season so they aren't near this relegation fight because you look at the size of the club you look at their wage bills you look at their squad like this isn't a team which should be floating around this area like there's clearly lots of um, lots of higher up issues with the board and stuff I know well, Mashiri comes with a lot of criticism for well, consistently making the wrong choice. Then it's, it's not really a surprise to see, considering well, half the choices they make. Like you look at the second of Rafa, basically a week after he's allowed to dictate the squad and sell Lucadinho, he was well, arguably one of their better players. Like it's, it's, it does seem like it does seem like they don't really have a plan, and they need a manager who's going to keep them up, but also get our new plan going and. Well, actually, give them a give them a process essentially of the next few years to take them back to where they should be. And you talk about managers in charge. Obviously, Frank Lampard, I said, has been interviewed for a second time, but one of the favourites, despite a lot of the Everton fans not wanting him, is Vitor Pereira. Do you think he would be a good fit, Max, or would Frank Lampard be the main man? Do you think for the job? Um, personally, I think Frank Lampard uh, is a better option. Um, I mean, I think there's obviously lots of people aren't for Pereira as an option I think you know recently he has had uh, you know struggles I think in, in the jobs that he's had but um, you know for me I think Frank Lampard in terms of what he offers is you know I mean you could say that you know maybe he was poor and he's inexperienced but I mean I think lots of the you know the jobs that he's done have been pretty good on the whole I think you know Derby there are certainly criticisms uh, that you can have of him there and same with Chelsea, but I think on the whole, you know, he's he's done a fairly good job, um, and he's also you know Premier League proven, which you know whilst playing with Chelsea, you know, who are obviously one of the better teams, 
you know, it, it is a really important thing to have when you're when you're looking for a manager, especially obviously a team in the Premier League. So, yeah, no, I I would prefer you know him uh, if I was an Everton fan just because of that experience and also I think just what he is uh, is just maybe more exciting option and and is the kind of obviously a name that uh, I think is is kind of something that could attract players as well uh, and hopefully you know just just kind of have more vision that that will lead them in a, in a more exciting direction for, for just for the club as a whole really in terms of Everton in the, the transfer market, obviously um, we brought in Nathan Patterson and the Ukraine fullback at the start of the transfer windows. Are nothing looking like they're going to bring ending or like getting rid of players at the minute. There was some talk about Mason Holgate possibly leaving. I think Newcastle, Nice, and Monaco all said about um, taking him on loan as well. Transport in Turkey as well, but it looks like he's going to stay as well to keep the defensive. Um, well, boosted their defence a little in terms of depth um, as well. One team that have uh, really kept hold of one of their best players as well by getting him on a new contract is Brentford. They've uh, announced a four-and-a-half-year deal for Brian and Bembo, who got an assist again on uh, Saturday as well, despite the Brentford losing 2-1 to Wolves. It was Yao Martino who put Wolves ahead after 48 minutes as well. Ivan Tony scoring, as I said, linking up with Bembo as well. Uh, Tony back on uh, the goal-scoring uh, streak now. That's three games in a row he scored in as well. Before Ruben Neres uh, linking up with Moutinho on his uh, return from injury scoring in the 78th minute to get Wolves another three points as well. Newcastle got a crucial three points at Ellen Road against Leeds. It was John Joe Shelby that got the goal there after 75 minutes. Newcastle obviously um, loads of transfer targets. You have a whole show on how many transfer targets and they've been linked with uh, this transfer window as well. But as it stands, they've only got in Kieran Trippier and Chris Wood as well. It does look like they're going to get in another midfielder, which we'll talk about um, later on as well. One team that, uh, well, we, we did need a midfielder, um, but I still say we do need a midfielder in this transfer window. It doesn't look like we're going to get one, so we have to be in the summer now. But Nevertheless, uh, we did win on the weekend and that was my team, Man United. We beat West Ham 1-0. A 93rd minute goal from Marcus Rashford was enough to get us a crucial three points in the race for the uh, Champions League places. Obviously, West Ham in recent weeks really uh, started to fall off uh, now. And when you look at the likes of Man United, Arsenal, especially Tottenham, having loads of games in hand as well, you've got to, uh, as a West Ham fan, probably worry now that the Champions League is starting to slip away. But... It's not over and done with yet. Obviously, the, the goal for Man United from Marcus Rashford coming off the bench was um, checked by VR because it was really close on Edison Cavani. was onside. Probably if he was last year with his arm, he would have been given his offside. But obviously, the rules have changed now. So he was um, onside as well. It was a, a well, it, I wouldn't say an amazing performance but it was a really good performance we dominated we deserved a victory um it was actually one game that we could probably turn around and say we deserved to win that and obviously luckily we did I haven't been able to say that um too often uh, in the past few months as well but now we've got the, the three points didn't have um or well, we had high Maguire back because Lindelof has gone back to Sweden with his um, family because he had a he had a break in at his house for him and his wife might have gone back as well. So wish him all the the best. But obviously Eric Bailly on international duty. So you know our defence has been really strong. Rand has been brilliant. Maguire looked good. Phil Jones, dare I say it, has been brilliant as well. So it's starting to be a bit of a 
a buzz now around. Obviously, you know, I'm still going to say we're not performing up to what we probably should be with the players we got. Um, obviously, Ronaldo just come back from a um, an injury as well, and and like he said the other day that Man United shouldn't be accepting anything less than a, a top three. I don't think we will get a top three now with Chelsea obviously winning as well. Um, there has been obviously a lot of talk about Ranginick staying permanently as well, and Ronaldo said possibly giving him more time. I wouldn't say that. So you know, it is looking a, a bit more. I wouldn't say upbeat. Well, yeah, upbeat and positive. Getting a new director next Tuesday, and, and Richard Arnold who's finally taking over from Ed Woodward um, as well. And he said he wants to take the club back to where he was. So as a Man United fan, you have got to look. I mean, you'd, you'd hope he, that's what he wants. Well, yeah, yeah, you would. Hope, yeah. Word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, the words and that, but you know, he seems like well, really enthused in the in well for now. Obviously, he seemed really up for the job. Um, obviously, we've had loads of terrible past few years under Edward Wood, so it's brilliant to see him leave. I just think I honestly think we will get top four. Um, now, obviously, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy because it's not because. We all know Tottenham have got loads of games in hand. Arsenal, you never know what you're going to get from them. And as I said, Tottenham, um, you know, you never know what you're going to get from Tottenham or Man United, to be honest. But no, I think now, you know, players coming back from injury and, and fitness and um, come back to form as well. But I think, you know, it's looking a bit more positive now. We can actually see um, the light um, as well. And then at the other end of Manchester, um, Man City obviously cruising towards the title as well. They did take a bit of a stumbling block at uh, St Mary's while drawing 1-1. Kyle Walker-Peters put Southampton ahead after seven minutes. And then Americ Laporte um, saving Man City in the 65th minute as well. Kevin De Bruyne with the assist there to get Man City um, a crucial point, really, because it could have uh, dropped more points. But would you still say, Lloyd, despite... Um, obviously, Man City dropping points. Obviously, a lot of people said, well, that gap is close. If Liverpool win their game in hand and then Liverpool beat Man City, it's only down to three points. Can you see Man City dropping the league now? Or can you just see this performance a bit of a blip? Because Pep said it was their best performance all season, which don't don't get me how I how I, he said that. Yeah, and, that's just Pep, though. Pep is yeah. he's just cryptic all the time. Like, it, like whenever he loses and he says, like, he says whenever he wins, and he says about like how good the other team is, like he, he's just a bit strange in his press conferences. Uh, I, I definitely think it's just like a small blip. But I don't think this affects their title challenge at all. Like I'd say, it's definitely still still in the bag for them. Like when you have to go so far to say, oh yeah, if Liverpool win the game with City, if they win the game in hand, then they'll still only be three points behind. That also means Liverpool then have to go like unbeaten basically. And that's just too many facts. It's like this way too far down the line. I, I don't see City dropping many more points. I think they've, um, like, I, I, I don't think, like, most most Premier League winning teams will just have a few blips like that. Like, obviously, it's literally been seen once where, obviously, the Arsenal Invincible is going to go and not lose every game. And go invincible. Like, there's always going to be a few games where, yeah, you sort of won, but you just get a bit unlucky. I think, like, I think City's still nailed on for the title. Yeah, I'd probably uh, agree with that. Obviously, Liverpool have got to win the game in hand and uh, win that game against them. But, you know, it's, it's not impossible. So, 
Um, but at the minute, it does look like Man City are going uh, towards another Premier League title. Um, as well, then on Sunday, there was loads of games at the Emirates at two o'clock. You saw Lloyd's team Arsenal drop points in the race for the top four. Um, this time against bottom of the league, Burnley, obviously being so good against lower league, uh, at lower the, the, of the league uh, teams recently. Um, that's what really spurred on Arsenal's form back in September, October. But this time, to Lloyd's credit, he said it last week that it would probably be a game that Burnley come back to play because obviously they haven't played since what the start of the month as well. Um, loads of games in hand and they come out and got a, a good point. Um, Lloyd, I didn't watch the game, so I'm going to let you explain you. How did Arsenal drop two points? And I suppose it was a good point for Burnley. Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a good point for Burnley. I think well, overall it was a game. Like in City, that they, they're going to have a few blips every season. Like I think it was just like I think every team does that. I think it was just one of those games for us. Obviously, we had a lot of it. Well, it's not even injuries in midfield. Just our two main best midfields has both got suspended for the same game, which obviously doesn't really help much. Then we had to throw in a, a Sambi Lacongo's, I think, 20, 22, 23. So he's relatively inexperienced. Like I, I, I rate him really highly. I think he's a good midfielder. But you put him as that lone six with a, with the two floating eights and Odiana Smith were. And that, that's a very that's a very tough job defensively. But I think regardless of that, I, I think we controlled the game quite well. Like, obviously, like it, it was a nil-nil. Like, the, the issue wasn't a, like them having too many shots. Like, I think we kept them re- relatively quiet. They didn't really create many clear-cut chances. I, I thought, defensively, we had a solid game. Like, that back four, if there's one thing which has been reliable this season, it's definitely been that. Like, Vamsil, he's had a few dodgy games now. Like, I think this game, he was, he was slightly dodgy. There was a one corner he missed the claim on, and then it, it left them having a, nearly having an open shot if it wasn't for Bob Holtz's block. And then the Liverpool game the other day, I think he was also a bit dodgy, but uh, but it shows, like, he's, he's he got clean sheets in all of those games where, even though he's looked a bit dodgy, I think like, the back has been very reliable. I think the attack this game just didn't really click. And I think a lot of it's due to Alexandra Lacazette, where he's at. Like, obviously, he drops deep. He's known for that now. Like, he's known for well, basically dropping into midfields, creating the overload there, instead of being the, well, the typically in the box striker. But the, when he can't drop deep and actually link the play up, he's... Well, the, 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 there's not much of a point of him being on the pitch. It's essentially being with 10 men. And that's what it felt like for most of the game. We couldn't really make any attack stick. It did feel like we were just a man down the whole time. I think it really shows that we need to... Well, we need to spend big money on a striker, hopefully. And I'll, I'll probably say more on transfers later. But so far, our business isn't going the best. And I think I think this is the time where we really need to make those signings to get our top four. Because even if even if the owners have to go and put some money in now, you're basically guaranteeing top four if you buy a, if you buy the right striker or the right midfielder. So it's, it's definitely worth it. And it's painful seeing them not. And we'll talk about uh, the transfers. We'll keep that um, for later on as well. But as you said, drop points for Arsenal. Really good point for um, Burnley, though, as well. It was also a really good three points for, for Liverpool, as I said, about their title uh, challenge earlier. Really needed that as well. Still without Saudi Amani and Salah because uh, their participation in the Africa Cup of Nations as well. But um, didn't really matter really because they had Virgil van Dijk put him ahead after eight minutes as well then Oxley Chamberlain scoring in the 32nd minute Edward getting a goal back for Crystal Palace as well before in the 89th minute um, I, I don't know whether to say I didn't oh, 
was it a penalty? I know. No, of course it's not. I've seen it. I I Come saw. On. I didn't. I didn't think it was a penalty. I know Gary Lineker on Twitter. That's ne- never a penalty in a million years. I didn't think it was, but you have seen him. Yeah, no, it was the, no, not like that. That was the worst call I've seen all season. I wish Alex was on here. I know he would say that there's no way that's a penalty. Is it the game's gone? You give them as penalties. Every game's going to have about six, seven penalties. Yeah. If the player just runs into the keeper and gets a pen, like it was a ridiculous call, but you got me assist in fantasy, so I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah, I agree with that. But no, I, I thought it was a disgrace decision, but I, I do get it a little because you have seen him given, maybe not as bad as that, but you have seen similar incidents given. And Do you remember yeah. the the Edison one against Newcastle. Yeah. Like, if out. you look at that and you say that doesn't get given. No. And then the Jota one does. I, I think it's a ridiculous goal. It's just, I suppose, that's the inconsistency of the referees and, and VAR as well. But one player that has been performing brilliantly, Lloyd, recently is Andy Robson. Two assists again on um, the weekend. I mean, recently since his uh, suspension, he's uh, turned up the form and looked really good. Well, yeah, I think I think his performance has gone really under the radar. Uh, don't quote me on the stat, but I think it's in his last nine games. He has a goal and eight assists or something, which is like quite ridiculous form. Like, and there hasn't been really many people talking about it. And it's also when Andy Robertson, who uh, was the start of the season, especially in the first like tennis games, when uh, he had that injury for a while, people were saying that Costa Simicash should start over him, saying that he offers something a bit different. He has a better delivery. And well, I think Robertson's really gone and proven everyone wrong. Like, obviously, Simicans is still a, obviously a very quality backup option. You could probably start for the bottom 10 sides of left-back. But Robertson has proven that there's a reason why he's known as the best left-back in the world for the past few years. We said uh, no brilliant performance from him. And Liverpool haven't got bad full-backs as they uh, start. And Trent uh, being on brilliant form recently. And Andy Robertson finding his form um, as well. So really good three points uh, for them as well. And then at the King Power Stadium, Leicester uh, dropping more points as well from uh, leading as well. It was Patterson Dacker that put Leicester ahead after 46 minutes before Danny Welbeck doing what he did against Chelsea late on and scoring an equaliser. Neil Morpay with another assist there to get Brighton um, a really good point as well. And then the final game before the international break, as I said, was at Stamford Bridge between Chelsea and Tottenham. Was it the fourth time Chelsea had beaten Tottenham um, this season as well? Obviously, Chelsea only last week knocked them out the uh, Carabao Cup semi-finals, meaning 5,071 days since Tottenham last won a trophy as well. And it was Hakim Ziyech and Thiago Silva who, in my opinion, was massively lucky in, in the first half. We'll talk about that Ooh. VAR incident with Harry Kane, but it was Hudson-Odoi and Mount with the assist. But all I'm going to say is, Max, I'll let you take this away, but um, Chelsea, you kind of knew the result, really, didn't you? Another defeat, fourth defeat against them this season. I mean, there's not much more to say to me with you. It's really hard to do it three times a season. You know, there's only so much you can say about one team losing to the same team. I mean, obviously, you know, the second, I mean, third time under Conte, you know, in what, you know, the th- three weeks or whatever. Um, better probably than maybe some of the performances, but you know, the first half probably could have easily, got, you know, uh, got into halftime one 0 Obviously, if it wasn't that decision. But um, yeah, I mean. It, 
I think it always it's difficult because you know I think at the end of the day it kind of boils down to talking about one decision in a game, and to be honest with you, having to do that, you have to do that you know, more often than, than than not really. You know, especially in the big top six games where you know you're just obsessing over one decision in a game, um, and you know, it gets boring. Uh, to be honest with you, and uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of frustrating. Uh, in all sorts of ways so yeah I mean it, it is disappointing but again like I said before the game I'm pretty sure that you know I'm not too bothered about the result because I mean it's you know Spurs playing Chelsea at Stamford Bridge you know I think you can kind of like you said you kind of know the result before you even play the game really that's just that's just how it goes uh, and how it, ha- how it has gone for the last you know however, however you know so long but obviously other than the, that one uh, performance and the one result a few years ago where, where they actually did win but yeah so it is. Um, but obviously, you know, you have got, a lot of people say you have got the, the games in hand as well. Obviously, I think it's only maybe next month or start of uh, yeah, start of next month. Now that you'll have Son back, obviously he hasn't played uh, against Morecambe, Chelsea the twice, uh, the three times, and, and Arsenal and Leicester. So um, you know, you got Son back. There is a bit of positive news because Hugo Lloris has signed a new deal till 2024, which obviously you said last week was was really important. You'd love to see him stay. So good news around Tottenham. Man. Yeah, good good news. Obviously, the captain and uh, fantastic player as well. Um, and to keep him, you know, it's, it's really important. I think. Uh, so yeah, no, it is very good. Uh, very good to obviously to, to to keep the the World Cup winning captain uh, of Spurs. Yeah, I'm really really glad to see that. Um, but obviously, one of the main incidents was that VAR incident um, in the, well, just in the first half as well, five minutes um, from the end. That I'm not. Get, it was it was a obviously clearly a push, but I'd say it's a very soft one on Harry Kane. Um, Christiaga Silva then brilliantly finished it into the back of the net, but VAR ruled it that um, Thiago Silva was uh, clearly pushed as well. Not going to say he dived because it was a push, but a very soft one. Lloyd, you didn't sound convinced when I said it was... I, I, I don't think it's a dive either. If, if, you're, if you're running like he was and you have, this, you have that contact, you're going to go down. The next time we play football, whilst you're running, I'm just going to nudge you a bit so you fall over. And you are going to, like, when you're that momentum, the smallest bit of contact can make you go down. Like, I feel like the argument could be there, saying that, as he simulated it, a slight amount. Like, he's obviously a very experienced, top-class centre-back. Like, he knows, he knows in a split second that he could win the foul instead. Like, there is a chance he went for it, but uh, I think I think there's a case that he's, like... That it was out of his control and it was a genuine foul. Yeah, so Max, are you going to be honest then, or are you going to not be, but well, be biased and say it was a uh, a legitimate goal? Um, I mean, I, it's a difficult one because I think you know in the rules and and you know logically, I think they kind of do different things because I mean, in the rules, I get how it's a foul, but I think just. Fouls and the way the fouls are given, they're kind of random, um, you know, like in in the sense that, you know, sometimes, you know, if, if that sort of thing happens, you know, on in the on the halfway line and you see the yeah, that's maybe a foul, you, you know, give a free kick and you, you kind of forget about it. But obviously, when you put that under the microscope like it is in when it's in a decision like that, you know, it's totally different because, um, you know, it's, it's seen as a lot more important. But yeah, I mean, in terms of logic and the way the game is played, you know, if you were going to. You know, forget about the, the pre-existing rules. I think, you know, in terms of, 
I think the average fan, you know, how football works and whether that really was foul or anything for maybe a, a less, uh, you know, from that, from the, without taking the rules out perspective, I think you'd probably say that is a bit silly. Um, you know, obviously I'm biased and I would say that I'd rather it not happen, but uh, to be honest, I, I just don't really care. I just want to forget about these decisions and talking about the same thing over and over again. You know, there's only so many things you can say. Uh, and, and because the decision has been made and you can't change that. So, yeah, I, I don't really care. And quickly on the Chelsea point of view, um, we talked about obviously their the goal scoring problems and Lukaku, 15 games and, and five goals so far this season. And you look at the players they have got out on loan. Chelsea's goal scorers, obviously, top goal scorers, Mason Mount, young players, well, Palace's Conor Gallagher and Southampton's Barroja. So, youngsters coming through at Chelsea. But do you think then that? Obviously, there's a lot of talk, and we'll talk about Amanda Brozier and, and possibly leaving Chelsea permanently this uh, summer. Do you think it would be right that these youngsters, obviously, I'm not saying Mason Mount should leave, but the other youngsters out on loan that doing well should leave permanently, Lloyd, for the better of their career? Well, I think most of them, are, like, I think, like, if you look at the, the past loanees Chelsea have sent out and what their future's done, I think it just looks like the grass is greener on the other side. Like, you look at uh, Tammy Abraham. Obviously, gone to Roma, and he's probably like I think he's the he's pushing for that golden boot in the Italian league. I think like, he's, he's about he's, fourteen and twenty six or something ridiculous. Yeah, that. like he's he's doing a brilliant job after being well, basically shoved out the door at Chelsea. You're going to get a for Tamori, who also basically got forced out, and now he's also doing really well. Like I think it does look like maybe well maybe leaving might be the best choice. Yeah, but obviously we'll talk, as I said, we'll talk about Amanda Brozier because he's been linked to the, a few Premier League clubs um, in a minute as well. But that was all the uh, Premier League action going into the international or mini international break as well, which we'll, we'll say about um, later on as well. But the table stands like this, obviously uh, different amount of games played for each team as well. So it is a bit of a, a congested um table as well but there are a few more games getting rearranged um already being announced by tv companies i know man united brighton's been rearranged in um march in between uh the uh, game against Southampton and at home and then leeds away as well so obviously i'm sure a few others will get rearranged as well so man city top all team on well no, i'm not going to say all teams play 23 because man city the only team that have uh, played 23 so man city 57 from 23 uh, liverpool 48 from 22 chelsea 47 from 24 man united 38 from 22 in that top four position west ham 37 from 23 arsenal 36 from 21 Tottenham 36 from 20, Wolves 34 from 21, Brighton 30 from 22, Leicester 26 from 20, Aston Villa also 26 from 21, Southampton 25 from 22, Crystal Palace 24 from 22, Brentford 23 from 23, Leeds 22 from 21, Everton 19 from 20, Norwich above their relegation zone 16 from 22 and the bottom three, Newcastle 15 from 21, Watford 14 from 20 and Burnley 12 from um, 18 as well. And the fixtures after the international break um, resumes as well. There is one game, uh, so obviously FA Cup when we come back as well. Then we have Burnley-Watford, the six o'clock game on uh, BT on the Saturday and then you have the midweek games um, incoming the following week as well but we'll talk about them after the FA Cup after the international break 
um, as well. Before we talk about transfers, though, we have got a, a pre-recorded clip from um, Mr. Lopez, which will talk Spanish transfers and, of course, uh, the latest news from Spain regarding the Spanish Super Cup and La Liga and what's been going on over there. So as we said then, we're joined by Mr. Lopez to go through the Spanish football uh, in the past few months. Obviously, um, being La Liga's been on a winter break over Christmas. They don't play like the uh, Premier League as well. So Mr. Lopez, obviously, um, we'll, we'll go on to your team, Atletico Madrid, um, in a minute. But overall in the league, what's been happening in the past few months since the, the November international break when we last had you on? Well, basically, we've seen a very, very strong Real Madrid uh, team. Um, it has no match apparently in, in La Liga, unfortunately, at the moment. But we've also seen some decent teams like Sevilla, um, Betis, Olbu Sevilla. They managed to go through the next stage in, in Champions League. They, they've been doing fairly well. And Betis also have been playing um, nicely because, uh, well, a, any team coached by Pellegrini always plays well. And it's not um, it's no different with, with Betis. Um, Barcelona seems to improve in, and they change coach since um, Kuman was replaced by Xavi. Uh, Atletico Madrid it's it's not doing great. It's the f- worst uh, moments for Simeone as a coach since he joined the club ten years ago as the coach. And Real Sociedad and Villarreal and are fighting for the position that will lead them to play um, Champions League next year. And that's in a nutshell is how it's going to La Liga. You said a staff for Real Madrid. Um, obviously, Carlo Angelotti, ex-Everton manager, obviously they're going through their own tra- uh, transition at the minute, losing Rafa Benitez. Um, I think... Obviously, you said Real Madrid are clear at the top, so he could become the first manager in football history to win leagues in all five leagues, Milan, Chelsea, PSG and Bayern. But I think I did see a statistic that they only lost two league games in 2021, the most or the least by any um, side in the top five European divisions. So what's Carlo Angelotti doing at Real Madrid, considering that Obviously, they're not as broke as Barcelona, but, um, you know, he's got Benzema playing well, Vinicius Jr. I think didn't Benzema scored his 301st goals the other day. So, obviously, he's got them playing well. What's Angelotti doing at Real Madrid? I think he's actually um, doing a team according to merit. Let's not forget there are people like um, Hazard, people like um, Gareth Bale, big names there. The, they are relegated to the bench. So uh, it's a hard thing to do. You, you, you must be uh, someone with big, strong personality as a coach to manage the situation like that. Because any, it will be much easier just to put the big names there. But that's not what Ancelotti is doing. And there is loads of pressure. That, that certainly had been loads of pressure from, from Spanish media and, and from people within the club that wanted to see those big names and people with, with big salaries playing. But that, that's no Ancelotti has done. Uh, he gave an opportunity to, to people like uh, Vinicius Jr., who wasn't doing very well last year. And Asensio has been playing as well. So Hazard, I read today that Hazard has requested the transfer already. So I think he's loyal to what he believes should be Real Madrid games and... Um, he because of that, he the, those players 
that is, they, they've been trusted with um, uh, taking the responsibility uh, have answered positively to, to the message that Ancelotti sent to them. Do you think he's better manager than Simeone? Different. I think the, the, the different style. Simeone doesn't have like uh, uh, all the amount of money that Ancelotti enjoys in Real Madrid. Basically, whoever you want, you can afford it if you are for Real Madrid. Uh, and there's a different style of football. And obviously comes naturally Real Madrid being one of obviously the biggest teams in the world and um, transfers this possible January transfer window and, and the summer. The main two obviously on most people's lips are um, Keelan and Mbappe. There's been some reports that they've um, bidded £41 million for Mbappe. This transfer window obviously is out of contract uh, next summer as well. But there are also um, loads of reports saying that he's set to announce he's going to Real Madrid after their Champions League tie when PSG do play uh, Real Madrid um, in February as well. First of all, with um, Mbappe, and obviously you've got Haaland as well, which we'll talk about because he's Barcelona, but Mbappe mainly. Good fit for Real Madrid, do you think? Yeah, I think he will be a good player in any team, but certainly Real Madrid, and precisely with the type of football that Ancelotti plays uh, or likes to play and, and what Real Madrid is playing they, they are, it's a very vertical football, uh, counter-attacking and very direct football and Mbappe, Mbappe is perfect for that sort of game And then finally on, on the Real Madrid singular transfers anyway two defenders they've been linked with this transfer window, Joe Gomez from Liverpool hasn't been getting much game time as well, they've been monitoring him Alongside a lot of the other top European teams, um, Anthony Rudiger, obviously German international, as well, been brilliant for Chelsea, won the best in the world. He's been linked to the likes of Man United, Juventus, PSG, Bayern and Real Madrid. First of all, with Anthony Rudiger or Joe Gomez, can you see them going in the summer and would Rudiger be a good fit or Gomez at Real Madrid? Uh, Real Madrid... Um, defense has display weakness. It's not like Alaba is not a good back, but that's not the position he used to play. He's he's responding well to the task, but I, I think Gomez would be fantastic. A good reinforce of, of of probably the weakest side of of the team. So definitely, and Rudiger, of course. Oh no, he's um. Brilliant goal scoring record at uh, Chelsea as well, and then obviously they're big. Rivals Barcelona financially really under the cosh at the minute. They have bought one player in this transfer window, Ferran Torres, for um, I think it's 55 million in, in euros, 46 million, and then you've got about 8.5 million or 10 million in, in add ons as well. First question is obviously, we all know that they had to get rid of a few players to go with the La Liga financial fair play, but how have they afforded Ferran Torres for I, 55 million? I wish I knew because. Uh... It's a joke, really, this financial fair play. How, how is it possible? They're in so much debt, and yet they can afford a 55 million transfer. I don't really understand. I really don't. I, I wish someone could explain me how Barcelona managed to do that. Well, I think they could only um, register him because obviously Coutinho's gone to Aston Villa now, sadly, I know, because he scored against us the other day. But, you know, is Ferran Torres a good fit? Because obviously... Um, come from Valencia to Man City for, for 30 million um, three, two years ago 
as well. So will Barcelona's new number 19 do very well for them? Um, I have to say, I have to be honest, I haven't seen much of Ferran. So I have to be honest, uh, I don't know that well Ferran Torres. I remember him playing for Valencia, but that was years ago. And I haven't followed Man City. But I've seen him playing for, for Spain in the Euros and and in the new tournament, the Nations League. Um, I like it. I like it. But it still needs a lot to prove to be in, in a top side like Barcelona. Because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he wasn't playing for Man City. No. He was on the bench. Well, they needed they needed a striker. Obviously, he didn't get Harry Kane, so they suggested Torres or... Jesus could be the striker and Torres hasn't really played. So, you know, I'm not going to say they got scammed a 55 million Barcelona, but considering he hasn't been playing, and I wouldn't say he's a world-class player. He's a good player, but, you know, it's, I think Man City got the better end of the, Probably. the deal there. Eh? Um, They're still I'm, waiting on Morata. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think the, the Xavi hopes that Morata well, can join the team, yeah. I don't know. Uh, apparently, it was almost done. Yeah. Early January, it was like it, w- it was given by the by the Spanish media, but something happened. Something happened with Juventus and the negotiations. Uh, I don't think at the moment it's gonna happen. No, obviously, um, ten days left or so in uh, the transfer window. After CNR, when we talk about affording players. Now, obviously, we all know Haaland um, has a release clause of £65 million as well, but when you include agent fees and, and how much he's going to get paid, we suspect it'll be about 200 to £300 million. Now, I know, I think, is it Marco in Spain? is one of, obviously, your, the football top journalists. They're, they've said that Barcelona and Real Madrid are the favourites to sign him because he wants to move to Spain and he wants it decided for January the 31st. Obviously, over in England, Man City they're probably all favourites as well. I think David Orstein has already said the Athletic they've made contact. But um, where do you think Haaland goes now if he does go to Barcelona or Real Madrid? And obviously, next question is how would Barcelona be able to afford £300 million for Haaland? Where's the money coming know, from? Again, the same. Did they, they couldn't keep Messi in, in the team, even though Messi was willing to stay there, but they couldn't for financial reasons. So I, I don't know how they're going to afford someone like Haaland. I, I, I didn't know, as I said two minutes ago, I didn't know how they managed to sign Torres. How 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 they managed to, to even get into the negotiations, you know, into bidding for it. I, I don't understand. And I don't think the current project of Barcelona is appealing enough for someone like Haaland. I hate to admit that Real Madrid would be a much better uh, suit for, for Haaland than, than Barcelona at the moment. Would you recommend him coming to Spain or would you say go to, to England where obviously his dad played for Man City and mm. he said he's a Leeds fan as well. So would you say come to sunny Spain or go to the better league in the Premier League? No, I, I, love, I love to see him playing in, in La Liga. I think we need to uh, improve the, the quality of uh, La Liga at the moment. We are a step down um, compared to the Premier League so we, we lost some co- competitiveness if, if that's the, the English word and <laughs> against uh, the Premier so it would be great to see players like Mbappé and, and Haaland even if they play for Real Madrid I don't mind and then moving on to your team Atletico Madrid obviously um, hard days have, hard I days. know 
obviously we talked about in November saying they could win La Liga um, as well. I'm not going to win the Champions League, so you all know you won't beat the <laughs> mighty Man United. But um, no, I, I did watch one of your games against Villarreal the other day, and it was obviously a, a really good game. I've seen a lot of Villarreal from when they played us mm. this season as well. And obviously that career goal from the halfway line, brilliant strike as well but what's been going on at Atletico Madrid the past two months or so because obviously La Liga champions yeah, um, eight months ago yeah only eight months ago prioritising yeah. probably the Champions League you haven't you've come so close in years now um, there but probably your only hope now winning trophies the, the Copa del Rey or no, the, Champions the Champions League, League. Yeah, yeah. yeah so what's going on it's a on? case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde that, that game that you, you mentioned against Villarreal you could see the best and the worst of Atletico Madrid. Um, I think it's a matter of the way we plan the season. We we have so many good players, forward players. We have uh, overbooking, actually, in positions. We have Carrasco, we have Luis Suarez, we have Cunha, Olympic winner. Uh, we have um, uh, Joao Felix, we have Griezmann, we have Correa. We have great, great forward players there. And... We don't have enough defenders. Not only that, that our only right um, back is gone. Yeah, Kieran Trippier. Yeah, Kieran Trippier. That our only one. Do you get? Do you get that move? Because obviously, oh, uh, and we we've, we've said know, it. I'm out, it's outrageous. We've said it on the show that um, even though Kieran Trippier said he wants a new challenge, we all pretty much know no, no. that he's only there for the money. And that's that's no, disres- no disrespect to Newcastle. They are obviously a massive club, but you know he's gone from playing Champions League football and winning the league at Atletico mm-hmm. Madrid to in a relegation battle and might be playing Championship football next year with Newcastle. You never know. So. Uh, on the personal level, I don't understand the transfer. From, from any, any standpoint, I can. Do you get the finance bit though? Is yeah, the yeah, draw. But, but- Come is that on. what football's about nowadays? So it's about the finances. Whoever offers you the most money. Well, th- th- that's the only reason I can see why Trippier decided to leave. But his position in Tottenham was not very good, to say the least. No. And then he came to Spain. He learned how to defend because he wasn't a defender at all. No. That was a, a huge gap in, in his skill repertoire. Um. Simeone made it a much better player, much better than he ever had been in the Premier League. And now he's moving not back to Tottenham, something I could understand. Yeah, when I go to my former team. Man United tried to get him in there. Yeah, it's true. It's true. For 25 million, and now he's gone for 12 it's million. It's true. So. And it's like, mm, what's going on? You're playing for avoiding relegation? Oh, no, no. I, I think it was a nasty move. And talking of replacements, um, one is from the Premier League and, and Chelsea, obviously long-term Chelsea captain, um, Cesar Asselaqueta, obviously Spanish international as well. He's out of contract in the summer as well. According to AS today, Atletico already um, in talks with him about going as well. Also with uh, is it Sorginio Desk, the mm. young American as well from, from Barcelona. I've heard a lot of people say how brilliant he's been. Two ideal replacements, would you say, for Trippier? I'd love to see Azpilicueta in, playing for Atletico Madrid. I always, always liked Azpilicueta, the way he sees uh, football. He, he's totally different to many other players there. And it's not as fast or maybe explosive as Trippier, for example, but he, he's 
a real good football player. Overall, attacking, defending, that's something that we really need. And I think he's one of those very underrated players. I He barely had played for Spain. It was only very recently that he made his debut with the, with the national team. And I think this is quite unfair. And we would cherish having someone like Pilicueta playing for us. Uh, so obviously be interesting to see what happens to uh, Madrid as well. And then quickly finishing up on La Liga, you said about Real Betis going strong as well, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, it was only a few weeks ago they had a, a fantastic gesture. I think they they do a, do they do an annual thing where they have fans throw um, things for child hospitals yes. on, on the pitch. Yeah, and... for the three white men, which yeah. is our equivalent of Santa Claus. Yeah. So that's... basically they ask everyone to bring like a teddy bear or something and they will throw it to the pitch. And that will go for for charity for kids. So every every kid in in the city of Seville will have some presents for Christmas. Brilliant gesture. But then sadly they were involved <laughs> in, or one of their players anyway was involved in some carnage in the Copa del Rey game against Sevilla. Um, only what Saturday night as well. So I'm sure you probably. Yeah. Well, we was off air when we were saying about some incidents that have happened before. So probably best you explain what happened. <laughs> Well, um, the, the, the Sevilla derby, Sevilla-Betis, is the, probably after Real Madrid-Atletico Madrid, even at the same level, is, is the most exciting, thrilling and dangerous <laughs> derby in, in the Spanish uh, Liga. And the things I've seen happening throughout the years is, is just, I mean, it's shameful. But I blame the teams. They know these people. They know them. They know that week after week, La Liga find Betis for um, inappropriate chants and singing. And it, it comes always from the same sector in the stadium, from where that bar was thrown. So Betis knew these people. And yet they don't do anything to stop them going uh, Sunday after Sunday to the stadium. Well, they played it behind closed doors, didn't they, when they resumed? Yeah. So is that maybe an option? Or what is the circumstance with fans overall? Because obviously in England, COVID hasn't really affected fans recently as well compared to like Wales where it's been behind closed doors. Is it looking better in, in Spain with fans-wise now? Um, it, it seems like the government will allow stadiums to be like 75%. Or so, I'm not sure. Seventy-five percent. That's it. Depends on the the region as well, because Madrid will have different rule to Andalusia, for example. It's a bit like Wales and England. Yeah. So, you never know. And, and your team, Cadiz, are they in a relegation? Yes. Now? So. Yes, and uh, they they fired um, Ferreira, who picked the team five years ago, playing the third division <laughs> of football. And year after year, promoted the team until getting into first division. And it's a sad thing to see him leaving, but the results are not there. So Will they stay up, do you think? Obviously, we hope they do. I hope so, but it's looking grim. <laughs> As well. And then uh, finally, on, on the pitch element, this week in Saudi Arabia, which is mm-hmm. a bit debatable why it Absolutely. is over there, I suppose you say for money, but yeah. um, the four-team Spanish Super Cup, they have done it once before the, the four-team as well, took mm-hmm. place. The 100th El Clasico saw Real Madrid win 
3-2 against Barcelona, Vinicius Jr., Benzema and Valverde, which is a bit mm. funny, did the, the Messi celebration, didn't he? All yeah. the, the shirt up was enough. Um, there in your team, Atletico Madrid losing to Bilbao 2-1, and then Real Madrid won the final 2-0. Modric, who got a man the match, and Benzema as well. So, Super Cup as a whole... Um, first of all, do you like the four-team tournament? I like it. Yeah. I like it because it was it was a um, competition that no one cared about, and it used to happen like in August before the, the the Liga, the tournament started. So teams were not taking it very seriously. There would be like a moment for trials to warm up for for the the oncoming tournament. But now, if you if you see the the starting eleven of every single team, they they were the best. They all brought the best players, so there was generally uh, a desire for winning this tournament. Um, the semi-finals were arguably better than the final. They were. I watched all, all three games. Yeah. You would say, especially the El Clasico. Yes, really it was good. great. It was yeah. fun, entertaining. So yeah, I, I like it. Uh, but as you said and you pointed out before. I wish it happened in Spain in front of the, the 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 local supporters rather than in a place that really don't respect human rights. I don't think that's the base, best scenario for for the Supercopa to happen. Well, as you said, really exciting uh, tournament as well. Then finally to end, uh, we mentioned it a few weeks ago on the show. Obviously, after it happened as well, legend at Man City. Um, so if you look back at his career, he's won League Cups, Premier Leagues, La Ligas, Europa League, Copa America, FA Cup, Super Cup, the list just goes um, on and on. He's obviously Sergio Aguero, he sadly had to retire from Barcelona, only making one appearance uh, due to a heart problem as well, age 33 I think he was. Um, as well as we said, brilliant gesture from Pep and, and all mm. there to go across, but... Your memories of obviously Atletico Madrid legend, wasn't he, before he comes to the Premier League and yeah. completely. I remember when his debut, when he jumped into the picture, I remember that everyone was talking about it. It was um, one of the most expensive signings that we ever done for, for, for a player that was just 17 years old. And the situation with Joao Felix actually reminds me a lot to what happened with Aguero at the beginning. Because he wasn't playing every every game, um, Simeone was developing, he was polishing the diamond, you know. Uh, but within two three years, he was just one of the most incredible strikers I ever seen. And we back then he he will play together with um, Forlan, also Man United, former yeah. Man United player. So it would be our two strikers, our forwards were aware of Forlan. That was unbelievable. That's when, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's when we won the Europa League. Yeah, yeah. That's when we won the Europa League. So, as you said, obviously, you know, you don't follow the Premier League. You said, obviously, as much as the yeah. Liga as well. And there was one stat um, that said Aguero had 11 hat tricks compared to Man United's two since 2014. But. <laughs> Um, where would you say, as uh, obviously a neutral looking in at the Premier League, he would be? Because, um, you know, you look at most goals, obviously he doesn't have the most goals um, in terms of top goal scorer, but as a, a foreign player, he always smashes our records as well. As I said, loads of hat-tricks. Um, and, you know, he's done it in the big games as well. Yeah, he hasn't won the Champions League, Man City obviously haven't done it. But, you know, 
where would you say he ranks in terms of best Premier League players? Because I think I put him at possibly top three. I know Alex, Max and I put him top five. So Oh my God. I never thought about it, but there have been so many big names there. Mm. But I, I wouldn't be able to tell you a position, but certainly certainly top ten, yes. Underrated, do you think? Uh, no, the thing is, I hate in Leon and then because he abandoned uh, Atletico Madrid, not in very good terms, because he was negotiating with Real Madrid. I don't know if you knew that. No, I never. Yeah, he was negotiating. The reason why he was sent to Man City is because when we realised that he was negotiating with Real Madrid, we say, no way. I mean, you think you're going to leave Atletico Madrid? Fine, but we are going to leave to whoever team, whatever team we want you to, to go. And obviously not to our rivals Real Madrid. So he didn't leave in best terms for Atletico Madrid. But I don't think he's underrated. I think everyone knows who is Aguero and what he achieved. And, and, and his goal to win the Premier League oh, is just part know. of history now. Saddest moment of my life. <laughs> but as we said, um, that's basically all what's been going on at the Spanish football as well. So thank you um, to you, Mr Lopez. Obviously, well, hopefully you. we'll have you on either before the Champions League uh, round of 16 or after when for you, hopefully, or hopefully for me, you see your team go out to uh, mine, Man United in uh, the Champions League. But you never know with Man United, so... Um, yeah, it will be interesting. It'll be one. interesting. You watch it be a nil-nil in both games. Now yeah. we say that. But uh, <laughs> thank you for coming on, Mr. Lopez. Thank you for having me. So that was the round from Spain then uh, from Mr. Lopez. Obviously, a lot of uh, transfers going on. Ferran Torres, we mentioned as well. And then the futures of Ed in Eden Hazard, Suarez all mentioned um, there as well. But closer to home. In the UK, obviously, there has been a, a lot of transfers going on um, themselves, leading the way is Newcastle at the minute. First of all, obviously, as I said, signed two players already in this transfer window. Um, as well, they are in talks today with uh, Bayer Leverkusen for Mitchell Baker. He's a left-back for around £16 million as well. That's if Bayer Leverkusen can find a replacement. They're also going in for Dan Byrne, um, which I think is about £7 million, um, bids they've made to Brighton for, for him as well and they have got a midfielder in sight for 30 million Bruno Gamares who Arsenal were linked with earlier in the transfer window well see it looks like he is going to um, Newcastle they did see a deal though for Diego Carlos be um, turned down they did say 30 million I think Sevilla then said 37.9 million or something, something silly like that and, and now uh, it looks like the deal um, is off as well. So it will be interesting to see if Newcastle can get maybe Jesse Lingard over the line. A lot of talk about that. Uh, Deli Ali been a lot of talk about as well. So it will be interesting to see who Newcastle can get. But in terms of, well, definitely not my club because the only player we have been linked with in terms of incoming, um, Daniel Zakara from um, Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think we was in talks with him. Um, he's out of contract this summer, so we'd have to pay about six to seven million euros. We made an offer to his agents, but we haven't had negotiations with them. I think Liverpool, Juventus, and Dortmund are interested, so, but I think we should spend uh, the money on him as well. But obviously, that looks like the only uh, 
possible incoming if it did happen, which probably looks unlikely in the, the next four days as well. But in terms of outgoing, um, quickly then, Ahmed Diallo has uh, gone to Rangers on loan. I'd been interested from Borussia Dortmund, Derby and Birmingham City as well. And Feyenoord, where he was supposed to go in the summer, but um, didn't go because of injury. But he's gone to Rangers on loan for the rest of the season as well. So hopefully he can gain more experience and uh, get some regular football into him as well. And, and Europa League football for that matter. As well, in terms of, we'll start off with um, Arsenal. Lloyd, you said about your striker options late um, earlier, and before we talk about your outgoings, incomings, is he looking unlikely he'll get a striker now? Because obviously, um, you know, Isaac's been linked as well, but that looks unlikely, and that'll be about 90 million. Calvert Lewin's been said about. Um, Obviously, Valich has gone to Juventus for 70 million euros. So, where does that leave Arsenal's transfer, January transfer window in the next four days? Uh, obviously, like you said, it hasn't only gone the best so far. But I think similar to our summer transfer window, where we signed Thomas Party, with uh, we didn't really do much business. But then, luckily, with the release clause, you don't have to do much business. You can just send the money and you're done. I think that's, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think that's going to be our signing. I think we're going to activate Alex Isaac's release clause. I think, as I know it's a striker we've followed for a long time. Obviously, all the other striker candidates, like obviously Vlahova is going to UV, and then you have like a DCL, you have an Ivan Tony. But are they really going to leave the club mid season? I, I really don't think they are. Yeah, so I think I think the most likely option is just going to be activate that release clause. Like it's expensive, but you're going to get a striker who probably gets his top four this season, and he definitely gets better as the years go on as well. Like he's he's probably has the highest he's one of the highest potential strikers in the game. And Vlahovic, he has this tag for this like elite goal scorer, which obviously he is. Like he broke the he broke the Serie A calendar year goal record, but you also have Alex Isaac who gets he has more expected goals per game. Like, even if his finishing isn't there yet, one thing XG always says is that if you're overperforming for a long time, you ain't going to be consistently doing it. And if you're underperforming it, you're going to start overperforming a bit. So it balances out. I think he's, I think he, like, he's, I don't, I wouldn't say he's a better goal scorer, but say Isaac is definitely arguably just as good. I think, I think he's the striker we need to go for as well. I'd, I'd, I'd really like to activate his release clause. But it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money up front and it's a lot of money for January. But if he gets his top four, all of that pays off. So I was literally about to say, do you think <laughs> in the next four days is... is I'd, I'd really summer? like us for it to do it. I think, like this, going into the window, we either need... It was like basically either a midfielder or a striker. And I think striker is the one we should focus on. Because when we have Zach and Thomas party, that's one of the best midfielders in the league. But we just got unlucky that they both got suspended at the same time. But neither are injured. Like they're going to come back and hopefully put a nice run of games together. Like we have a very nice win percentage when they play together. Like they are arguably top three midfielders in the league when they're fit and actually available to play. So I, I really don't think that's the issue. I think the striker is the main issue. I'd much rather get the striker now and then back up the midfield in the summer. I think a striker, that, that's the position we need to push us over into that top four bracket. Like at the moment, we're still floating around, but like like I said, it just doesn't do it. But in terms of, so you said about striker there, one of the other options being linked is Douglas Louise for 30 million from Aston Villa. Do you think that one's a bit more likely? 
Uh, I, I don't know. We, we got linked with him uh, in the summer as well. I, I'm really not sure what I think of it either. Because, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I remember there were rumours of Penny City wanting him back. And you go, it was surely if City won someone back, then they must be they must be quite good. But I'm really not sure on him as a player. Like, mm-hmm. he, I, I, I don't know if he's an upgrade on Xhaka, like, in terms of more defensively, mobility, passing. I, I'm, really not, I'm really not sold on him. But uh, I think, like, like soon in the summer, if Arteta wants someone, well, they're worth it. Like, there were so many doubts about Ramsdale, Odegaard, and then they've come in, they've been well, some of our best players this season. So if Arteta wants them, well, they'll back him happily. Fair enough as well. be interesting to see if you spend uh, your £90 million on um, Isaac there or your £30 million on Douglas Louise. But in terms of outgoing, um, of course, one man that, has been linked uh, with going away is um, your, your former captain, uh, Aubameyang, as well. He hasn't gone to Dubai as part of your uh, warm weather training as well. Obviously, it was the talk we said last show about El Nassar in, in Saudi Arabia making a loan offer, which come with an obligation to buy. He said he didn't want to go there, though. He wanted to stay in Europe. I think PSG, Marseille and Monaco were interested. Uh, sorry, PSG, Marseille and AC Milan the team's interested in him and I think AC Milan have actually made an approach but he said he demanded um, double what Zlatan Ibrahimovic is earning at uh, AC Milan which is quite a lot so maybe that might not happen but where do you see the future for Aubameyang now? Uh, well it's, it's definitely not at Arsenal whether it's in January or come the end of the season it's definitely not an Arsenal sadly I mean, he's, he's on something like 93 Premier League goals like I would have loved to see him get a hundred. Like he's, like in the past five years, he's he's been one of the best in the league. Like there's no doubt about that. Even though he's had this quite quite insane irregular drop off, he's there's still no doubt in his previous ability. And I, I'm sure if he goes to if he goes to a different league, he's going to light it up. Like he's a he's a quality goal scorer. But it's just well, it hasn't really worked out. We've also tried to revolutionise our system, try and play that or the next level up of football with the striker drops deep, as well and links the play together. But it's like he just isn't the right fit for that system. But like it's it's just not looking good from the situation here. Well, obviously we've seen Anthony Martial leave Man United to go to Sevilla on loan, um, six million loan, which is brilliant. Really, we get six million for him. They pay all his wages for, for half a season. So maybe could see similar with uh, Abamyang and another striker, Adi Nketiah, um, being linked with uh, Bucha Gladbach and uh, Crystal Palace as well. They had a bid rejected for him this uh, transfer window as well. But Gladbach won a pre-contract agreement. Is it just a matter of time till we see him leave Arsenal? Uh, well, yeah, I think his contract's up in the summer anyway. So I hope we sell him now so we can get a bit of money for him. Like, it'd be a shame if he goes to free. Like, especially because well, we've had so long to move him on. Like, we tried in the summer, we tried now. Like, it'll, it'll be very disappointing if he goes on free. Especially given a, a dead of guest bar, a transfer direct, his past history of... Well, he's not exactly the best seller. Like the only real sale he's had is Willock. He was obviously on, on some ridiculous form. Where he's got like eight and eight in a row. And it's like the, the rest of the rest of the outgoings have just been contract terminations most of the time. And I'm, very not, I'm not confident as long as Eastern and the club are actually selling his players. Any other transfer quickly? One on Arsenal. Any transfer incoming or outgoings I've mentioned? 
uh, with a new goalkeeper from uh, from America, Matt Turner. We've oh, been yeah. meeting with him in a few days uh, in the past few days, and apparently, I think I think I think was going to sign him in the summer. I think he's going to be the backup for Bird Leonard. I think it might be in the case that if Leonard left this window, then he would have came in now. But I think it's looking likely that Leonard's going to leave in the summer because he got, he got linked to a Newcastle. But yeah. I don't think that just happening in January. Yeah, that's, that's very good actually. New England, he's from. Uh, five million, and he won MLS goalkeeper of the year last year. But um, probably it would depend on Leno going and um, to Newcastle, as you said. I think Sky in Germany said about that, but nothing's really materialised as well. But it'd be interesting to see what happens at Arsenal. And then moving on, obviously to Tottenham. Um, a lot of transfer talk have been um, about them. One of them being Adama Traore. Um, looked like they was about a signing for twenty million from Wolves as well. You initially had fifteen million pound bid. They did want twenty five, but they went down to twenty. But that looks like he's going to Barcelona now on um, a loan deal with an option to buy of twenty nine million in the summer um, as well in terms of other incomings at Tottenham which I'm sure Max will tell us about now Luis Diaz, Porto winger um, as well I think it's about 40 million maybe 60 when he goes up to um, add-ons as well I think he's about six, 46 million and 66 million add-ons but in terms of those two I just mentioned for the time being Max they look like uh, Luis Diaz looks like the one you're gonna um, be bringing him. Are you happy about bringing in Diaz or disappointed not bringing in Traore? I'd be. I'd much prefer Diaz if we're able to bring it in. Obviously, the worry is now that the fee won't be agreed or whatever. Obviously, now we're getting into uh, you know late on in the window, so it is uh, unfortunate that you know it had to happen now. But um, yeah, no, I would be happy with that. Obviously, I think uh, it looks like a very promising player, and uh, and I think lots of people at Spurs like him. So, yeah, I would be, you know, happy if we can bring him in and uh, has a lot of quality going forward and, and most importantly, goals, you know, he scored, um, I think, maybe 16, 17 goals in, uh, in Portugal. So, you yeah, know, I think it would be really good to add that to, to the Spurs squad. And, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of Adama Traore, I, 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 was, I would have liked him, obviously, um, because, you know, it seems like that you know, was, is what kind of Spurs wanted. And if, you know... Uh, Conte wants a, a player, then you need to get it for him. But I, th- I think I'd prefer uh, somebody with maybe more in product. And, and I think you, uh, Diaz would probably be played in a slightly different role to, to Traore, whereas I think Traore would have been played a, as, a, as a fullback or a wing back rather. Um, so you know, you know I, I think it, it, I mean, we do need a, a, a right wing back, which is probably where Adama Traore would, would be played. But I think yeah, Diaz, I think, brings more to the team that. That will help us uh, push push towards uh, top four and add a little bit of quality to the team. So, no, I I, I would be happy um, uh, uh, with Diaz. Uh, it's difficult because you know as as it's going, I'm not too sure if if we'll get any of the players and, and we'll just get the one, um, uh, and hopefully we, we can get even that one. You know, we're not entirely sure. It's not guaranteed. So, yeah, no, it's, it's not a good window. I don't think. It, I just don't think. It, enough was done and, and it was all left probably too late and especially with um, obviously talks uh, about <clears throat> Bruno Gomorraes being available and I think it's kind of a these are kind of players uh, that, that Spurs need and I don't know they, they haven't really seemed to, to be showing the interest in the right players uh, uh, and the right quantity of players uh, you know signing or showing interest in one or two players at the end of the window isn't necessarily what Spurs needed so yeah that is frustrating but you know if we can get 
some faces in, uh, that, w- that would be good. One play was linked with was AC Milan's uh, Frank Kesse uh, in this transfer window as well. Obviously, he is out of contract in the summer on June the 30th from AC Milan, so he could get him for free. Um, but he is, can speak to teams outside Italy. Now, would he be one player you'd want at Tottenham? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, he's a good player, I think. And, uh, and I think he, he brings quite a lot to the midfield. Uh, kind of able to play uh, as a box for box or, or, you know, kind of a defender or, or further up the pitch. You know, I think that would be kind of a useful element to have to the midfield. But um, obviously... I think it's as simple as, you know, whatever Conte thinks, if Conte wants a player, if he doesn't want to play, then you just got to uh, do what he wants because obviously he's the manager and, and, you know, I think he knows best in the situation. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, depending on, on what the manager thinks, uh, he would be a good signing. And just ensuring that, you know, you, you, you back Conte, that is kind of the priority. You need to make sure that you do that um, because I think you know, if you listen to what, what Conte wants, then uh, I think he'll, he'll bring changes to the team uh, and, and important and, and good changes of that. And then in terms of outgoings, um, as well, one that has been talked about is um, Nondon Belly going to PSG, held talks um, there. Other than that, is is that the only one that's going to happen in terms of outgoings, or is there any others, Max? Um, it's difficult. Um, I think there are, there is obviously lots of talk about obviously uh, Dombele and uh, and I think uh, I think players that also. Kind of, I think wanting uh, Conte wants out of the team, and I think Deli Ali is one of them. Um, Doherty, perhaps even um, Roden, I think is another one, and and I think there are lots of you know loan moves on on the whole, largely. Um, and I don't necessarily know how much concrete uh, stuff has happened. Obviously, the Ndombele thing is one, um, but yeah, I mean it is difficult. I think you know uh, uh, Jack Clark, a young. Young youngster uh, went out uh, to Sunderland, but it's not necessarily high-profile business. So, um, yeah, obviously you want to see money coming in, really, uh, not just loans. Uh, uh, so, yeah, in terms of the the outgoings, it just isn't anything concrete uh, or solid enough. So, yeah, it's kind of it's quite frustrating uh, with that because you know you need to try to get to get money and to try to get signings in, but it, it just doesn't seem to be to be happening right now. And, you know, I think there's a lot of noise that Spurs are, have been, you know, really busy right now. But I don't know. I'm not really seeing uh, enough business uh, being done, really, to, to be convinced by that. And then elsewhere, um, in terms of, of transfers at other clubs uh, in the Premier League, quickly aside from ours, we said about Newcastle. Uh, Crystal Palace could be a, a surprise one in the, the coming transfer window. Obviously being linked with Aaron Ramsey, but one other player... They've been uh, massive in talks with Donny van der, van der Beek from Man United. That looks like it's just going to be a loan deal if it does happen. Obviously, he has been offered to Newcastle and Borussia Dortmund, but didn't want to go to uh, Newcastle. I don't think there was something wrong with him going to Dortmund, but it looks like Crystal Palace is the only option for him. I mean, Lloyd quickly was signing out beef for Crystal Palace. Yeah, I think it would definitely be a good sign, but I'm not sure he fits in that midfield. Like you look at, they obviously already have Conor Gallagher. Like it's like Conor Gallagher next to Van der Beek seems like a brilliant midfield on paper, but like you you need a very a very good DM there. And I don't know if they have that. Like if they did, it'd be incredible. But I don't know. I think they could probably give it anyway. It'd, it'd definitely be a very fun, a very fun Palace team then, especially with like was there Lisa in there and other players like that. But I, I think it'd be a good move. It gives him another, another bit more depth as well. 
Uh, talking on, uh, Burnley they've agreed a deal of seven million with Daniel Zagreb for Maslav Oric. Um, as well, that looks like it could be done. Um, potentially uh, in tomorrow or, or definitely by the weekend as well. Aston Villa uh, set to sign uh, Rodrigo uh, Benacure from Juventus for 18 million. Um, from as I said, Juventus Max, Max quickly. Is that a deal that Aston Villa fans should look forward to? Yeah, I mean. Uh, kind of a younger player, a younger prospect uh, in terms of a few years ago, I think, you know, kind of broke into the to the Juventus team. But um, fallen out, maybe, uh, maybe I think this could be quite quite a good uh, revitalising move. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think he's a good player. And, and, and I think he, in terms of the midfield, it's, it's interesting. I think they do have quite a good midfield, Aston Villa, and obviously bringing in Coutinho on top of that. Obviously, Jacob Ramsey, John McGinn, Douglas Louise—you know, quite, quite solid, I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, interesting, interesting to to add another player to that. I think adds good depth and, and good options there. Um, and I think they do, you know, in the centre of the park, they're quite quality now. And I think all over the pitch, they do have quite a lot of good options. Um, so you know, a really interesting move for Aston Villa. Um, uh, you know, I think they're, they're looking quite strong, and uh, obviously under under Steven Gerrard, they, they look quite exciting. And on to uh, Man City then quickly. They've agreed a deal to uh, Splastic, well, some some cash on um, a player that Man United were linked with in the transfer window, Julian Alvarez, for 18.5 million euros. Uh, it's going to be a contract till 2027. He's going to go back on loan to River Plate. Um, it's one he's considered to be a star of the future. Obviously, I mentioned him at the start of the transfer window. I think United should have brought him in. Obviously, he didn't listen, and now he uh, looks like he's going to go to um, our big rivals to over to uh, Manchester City as well. Quickly, one line on Brentford has just come through now that they're in talks with Hull over uh, Lewis Potter from, uh, as I said, Hull. That was after the deal for Brendan Johnson, young Wales player, has uh, stalled because Nottingham Forest won 20 million and they was only willing to pay 17 million. But Hull's new ownership could put that one um, at pay as well. But obviously, only three more days left of the transfer window as well. Be interesting to see what other deals from other clubs could go ahead um, as well. Whether West Ham could bring in someone. Um, Obviously, they're keeping Darren Randolph now. It's probably the only transfer um, business or news they've got as well. Because um, Aston Villa obviously got their own keeper in Robin Olsen now. Watford, can they bring in anyone else? They brought in um, a player, uh, Samuel and Kalu, for 500k from Bordeaux. Wolves have obviously signed Hee-Wang Chan for uh, 14 million on a permanent deal from RB Leipzig. On July the 1st as well, obviously has been on loan as well. So it'll be interesting to see what um, can happen as well. But we'll be back after the uh, international break now. That Obviously, as I said, sees the Asian qualifiers take place. Um, it looks like Iran and South Korea and Saudi Arabia and Japan are qualifying from um, there as well, Australia missing out at the minute. Over in North America, you have Canada, Mexico, uh, USA and Mexico going through automatically. Panama going into the, the playoffs and Costa Rica and Jamaica missing out at the minute. And in South America, Brazil and Argentina already qualified. Ecuador and Colombia in the, the other positions to go through and Peru in the playoffs and no Chile and Uruguay at the minute as well. But obviously, no um, European or African qualifiers due to, uh, 
obviously until March now, and obviously the Africa Cup of Nations carries on, and we'll be looking back at that tournament uh, on our next show, which, as I said, after the international break. But um, thank you for listening today. Obviously, as I said, two-week break, no, week-and-a-half break as well, and we'll be back to look at the FA Cup as well, the transfer window as it closes, and the Africa Cup of Nations. But thank you for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>